We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Everybody and welcome back to another edition of the Dynasty Tradecast brought to you this week and most every week by MyFFPC.com. As always, I'm your host, Eric Bertzloff, better known on Twitter as at Dynasty Trades, joined by my two co-hosts, Nathan and Dan. What's up, guys? What is going on? Uh, not much, man. I'm getting back from a weekend with a bachelor party with one of my best friends. We had 28 guys over 30 years old in the bachelor party in Nashville drinking for four straight days. That sounds horrible. It was epic, but it was painful. So apologies on my voice ahead of time. I might have had some cigs. My bad. Hey, that's bad. <laughs> hey, that's bad for your belly button. What are you thinking? Maybe, maybe. And my 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 thinking was was definitely impaired. So that adds up. What have you boys been up to? Well, you know, we've been on the Twitter tweeting and, uh, you know, chillaxing. And, oh, school started. Uh, not The kids aren't here yet, but I, I had to go to school. So I had to work for the first time in two months. Then. There you go. Man, that is like the exact opposite of the story I just told, Nathan. That is 
100%. (laughs) I can take it another step further. My uh, my week this week uh, ended with about 65 hours uh, all in four days. Wow. Yep. All right. Well, that sounds great, guys. You guys, so your guys' life is terrible. That's, that's <laughs> why don't we get into the podcast? Uh, I will go ahead and uh, do a quick rundown. We're going to kind of just be all over the place talking about camp hype and um, and blurbs, kind of actually doing, um, you know, analyzing trade values in kind of a more current lens as opposed to a. a you know, and what hype to believe, what not to believe, and who to target. Um, and then we're also going to hit on kind of trading strategies and how those differ uh, between when you're rebuilding and contending. Um, that's a kind of a broad topic, but we will find a way to make it work. Uh, beforehand, though, I do want to let everybody know you can get a listener's only 30% discount to Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL podcast homepage. That's rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of our NFL content and also support this very pod and all the pods that are on the Rotoviz Radio Network. You can contact us via email. That's rotovizradio at gmail.com or slide into those Twitter DMs. That's at Rotoviz Radio. And remember that Rotoviz Radio and its fantastic collection of podcasts are available now on blog talk radio and itunes you can find us along with the rest of the awesome rotoviz shows under rotoviz radio and we also have an individual feed for this show you can simply search dynasty tradecast or rotoviz fantasy football podcast on blog talk radio itunes anything else you can think of i can't think of any other podcast apps because i don't use any uh, but whatever you're listening just click subscribe and uh, leave us a rating and review um and i uh, do want to point out that we've got a bunch of shows coming online on rotoviz radio um now that the regular season is starting to kick off. So look out for that. And then maybe at the top of this show, highlight that we are going to be moving to a Tuesday, uh, a Monday night release date or Tuesday morning release date during in season um, and kind of keep very topical on value. So you can start making trades early in the week um, and get your waiver wire bids in. Uh, just keep it super hot. Try to be the first show that you listen to coming off of Monday. Um, all right, uh, Nathan, I will go ahead and throw to you after that very long winded intro. Alrighty, I'm going to catch this intro, and I'm going to talk about let's talk about some commissioning. Uh, as many people know, I commission a number of leagues with a number of fun formats. Well, this is a, a fairly normal format. Only thing that's uh, different is the fact that it's a Debbie league. But anyways, the point in this conversation is that I made a trade today. In my inbox, I received someone offered me Evan Ingram and Michael Gallup in exchange for my Christian Kirk and Jake Butt. Now. I would much rather have Evan Ingram than both those other pieces without Gallup even involved. So I click smash accept. And the, as that tends to happen, you know, when a a lopsided trade comes through, there are people that will have gripes uh, through the emails like, Oh, that's horrible. Or how, you know, basically just talking about how terrible it is. Yeah. Right. Also, also poor form. If you're doing that, by the way, guys listening to this trade cast, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I I absolutely agree. I, I think that, you should just shut up and not worry about other people's trades. Yeah, uh, yeah. Unless they're collusion. Go ahead. Right. But the, then, then the, uh, the, the comment pops up. It's even worse when it's the commissioner who's always in these types of trades. So I question you guys, is it the obligation of the commissioner to decline heavily offered, heavily favored trades in their favor? Um, I'll just, I'll I guess I'll just open Dan. And the answer is, Oh, hell no. Uh, that would be, I'm not in the league to lose. I like commissioning and it's a lot of work, but I also want to win, which when I get offered lopsided trades, um, 
I accept those. And now again, I'll also preface, unless there's collusion, unless your commissioner is a douche, which in this case, actually, Nathan is the case, but not a colluding <laughs> douche. So, so, so yes, I mean, I, I, th- I think that that's totally fair. And I think, I mean, hopefully they said it joking, Nathan, or do you feel like it was actually kind of malicious? Like you should. No, no, they were really pissed at me. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's utterly ridiculous. Um, anybody who half knows your character is not going to know you're, you're not in the game to win it. So when you get nice straight, that's ridiculous. <laughs> oh <laughs> uh, that's so true um, <laughs> the, well and the thing too is is you talk about the obligation the obligation when anything like that happens is your first obligation is as an as an owner you can't be thinking in the lens of a commissioner you have to be thinking in the lens of what's going to help your team and not what's best for the league it, it's it's a tough it's a tough spot to sit in but maybe that trade isn't what's best for the league maybe Maybe that, you know, those, those trades need to happen. Values need to, to shift. Teams need to get better and get worse. That's just how the leagues go. You can't have a bunch of 500 teams because what's the point of that? Um, your obligation as an owner is to do what's best for your team. So in no way, shape, or form, even if you are, if you do happen to be the commissioner, you, you should do what's best for your team. Um, it's not going to hurt the league in the long run. This isn't a trade that's... That's absolutely asinine. Uh, and Eric, you alluded to um, collusion, which is an entirely different story. That's totally. that's something that we could do ten t- podcasts talking about. Um, but yeah, something something like this where you're just simply winning a trade that's that's ridiculous. No one no it, one should open their mouth. It's one thing to like torch someone like, oh yeah, you made such a bad trade, but it's a totally another thing to like actually get upset about it. I mean, I have I have two things to say. One, if you're actually not accepting that trade, then you're not acting in the best interests of your team, which means by definition, I think you're colluding, which means you're like, you're like <laughs> colluding the with the rest right. of the league to make it better. Um, and then as the commissioner, so this happens actually in a lot of leagues where as the commissioner, and especially if you get new owners who are trade happy, that you're the first person that they really talked to. And they really got to know because you recruited them into the league. So they're the most comfortable sending you trade offers and surprise bad dynasty players make their bad, really bad trade offers with their really good pieces early on when they get into your league. So it's not uncommon that the, the commissioners get these offers um, along with the rest of the crew or like somebody who's very outgoing. But maybe it is an argument for being when a new owner gets in to be really, really responsive. Your job's not to rip off or tear apart the league, but also you're, you, you, somebody's got to teach these, these, uh, these new owners a lesson if they're not listening to this spot. Well, for what it's worth, this wasn't a new owner. Um, but I, I think that the main argument for why there is no reason for me to decline the trade is that saying that I have the burden of having to reject that as the commissioner is putting me at a disadvantage because that means in a 12 team league, there are 10 other owners that that could accept that exact same trade or something along those lines where the team is giving away players for, you know, next to nothing. So why should I be at that disadvantage of others being able to accept really uh, heavily favored trades? Like if if this happens with someone other than the commissioner, Yes, you might get the emails. Oh, this is a bad trade. In like, I, like Eric said, those are bad yeah. form. But you're not taking like you're not questioning the integrity of anyone involved in the trade, really. So it, it's that's weird another that, douche that, move too. By the way, is questioning integrity of perfectly good people is another douche move because you're un- you're unhappy that you aren't the one who got the trade. Exactly. Um, All yeah, right, that, that's fun, Nathan. I feel like that that's a we could we could have done an entire podcast on that topic because that. That makes me – I have a lot of theory about that, but that, that makes me pretty angry that somebody would accuse you of that. 
Well, I mean, honestly, uh, as we've all agreed here, I would like to hear like the counter argument, like in, other than like in a written, like, oh, it's just bad for the league. Like, I'd like to hear like an educated argument for why commissioners, other than oh, you know, you don't want uh, the commissioner to get a loaded team. You know, uh, I can think of I can think of one instance where it's okay for the commissioner to always reject that trade, and that is when he's not actually playing in the league. But then he's not getting an offer. So yeah, or or if you're, <laughs> if you're well, if you're taking a rake or anything like that, that's then that's different because there no, are leagues not. that exist like that. It is if you're taking a rake, then you have to turn down good offers. That's outrageous. I'm, I'm just saying if you if you're getting that advantage back because you're working for the league, yeah. that might be in the interest of the league to not. That's that's no, one. No, I'm out. I'm out. That's outrageous. If everybody joins the league with the knowledge of the rake there, unless there's implicit rules that say bias trades for the commissioner cannot happen. The rake is just if you get guys to agree to a rake and and there are people who play in a rake league, that's cool. But like, like, I do not think that that's should be the the bear, the weight for any commissioner to bear unless it is explicitly written in the rules that 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 the cost being paid to them is so they don't accept trades that are good, which means they'll never make trades, which which is shit or sucks. Sorry. <laughs> Pardon my language. We'll All leave right. that in. All yeah. right. Let, let, let's move on to our next topic, and it's going to be the big injury news of this past week, and it's going to be Darius Geis. Uh, he suffered an injury in his first preseason game. He is going to miss his entire rookie season with an ACL injury. Uh, Dan, uh, was Geiser 102 before this injury, and is he still now? You know, that, that second tier was kind of a, a jumbled mess, honestly. Um, I probably was leaning more towards Geis as the number two spot and might even still consider him at this point. You know, if my team isn't contending and I don't need the points of a Rashad Penny or a potentially like a Ronald Jones or a on Johnson or a Nick Chubb, I might still be willing because I believe that Darius Geis is the better player to just draft him anyways as my 102. So I think I think he stays in the conversation with with the rest of that tier um, with kind of the you know the little asterisk that's basically you shouldn't draft him if you're competing unless you can afford to not have him. But most teams are in need of those running back points or points in general. Most teams aren't like super stacked. It's like, well, I'm just going to keep padding my lead because then they probably don't have the 102 unless they traded for it. So, um, yeah, I'm still probably taking him there, but I like the other guys there as well. It's it's kind of a weird spot. It sucks for Geis' value now, uh, but it's a good opportunity to buy. It's really It opens a nice window. Yeah, I mean, there, we have we have a thousand pieces of sample size for this of guys who go down in the preseason, value tanks, and then they start rising again about week seven, eight, when people, people start looking for value pieces that are on other people's IR because they realize they're out for the year. Um, that this is, if you're a Geist owner, this is not the time to sell. The, I'm sorry, this would be the time to sell or you're going to wait it out um, while people are still high on him. Uh, but I mean, I, I probably, I'm with you, Dan. I don't think rushing out and selling him um, is a very good idea. Even if you're a win now team, I mean, find a Band-Aid, find somebody who's going to go in there um, and and just, you know, cover that spot. Find a Rob Kelly or whoever, the, whoever the heck they're going to use, along with Chris Thompson, to just get a, get a couple touchdowns to st- sneak in your your RB three or RB two spot. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, he was never my one hundred and two, anyways. Um, I probably put him 
106-ish now if we had to redraft. Um, I'd take probably take a receiver. But I also had him already at the – I already had Chubb, Penny, and and uh, Michelle ahead of him um, in, in my drafts anyway. So needless to say, I own literally no shares of guys. Uh, so uh, not welcome news, but uh, but news that didn't hurt any of my teams. Yeah, and I think that what helps guys with this injury, not the injury itself, but the fact that no one really in that tier has done anything to, you know, grab the headlines. Like Rashad Penny, you know, started to camp. Everyone knew Rashad Penny couldn't pass block, and then when camp started, Rashad Penny is the worst pass blocker on the planet. <laughs> and, and so, and then, and then, of course, like three days later, Rashad Penny is greatly improving his pass blocking. Like, you know, these are just the blurbs that you get every single right. uh, time. So. I think that the injury doesn't really hurt him that much from a dynasty perspective. What it does do is it it opens up a buying opportunity if you're rebuilding and, and the team who has guys is competing. I think that you can you know offer up a veteran running back like a Tevin Coleman, and you know you might be able to do Tevin Coleman straight up. It just depends on what what exactly you're, you're trying to do with it. But it is definitely I think the move of all the things with guys the move is as a rebuilder to go out and try and buy him, um, but. You know, I haven't really seen him sold too low as of yet. Have you, Dan? Um, well, our a good friend of the show sold him as about as low oh. as I've seen. Oh, Derek Henry. Uh, Russ, Russell J. Clay sold uh, Darius Geis for something named Derek Henry, which is <laughs> atrocious. Don't do that. Don't make that deal. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, the, when when would you guys think? And this is this is probably a broader injury question. I think we've talked about it before, but when is the appropriate time to somebody gets injured now? There's certainly a curve of like the value like falls down at a rate pretty quick and then it starts jumping back up. I mean, is week week two or three when people see he's really not doing anything at the time when they get their first win of the year to target him? I, I think that it honestly depends on where the dynasty owner sees their team. If you're a rebuilder, like you're, you're welcoming the guy. So he's like, Oh, great. You know, I, I, he's not going to score points for my team. I'm going to continue to tank this year. And if you are competing, then you might be like, Oh, this, like this might be a time to try and hedge my bet and get, you know, a veteran piece that I can start this year. So I, I think for like a rebuilder, I don't think it changes much, but for a, uh, a contending team, I think that it definitely, you know, presents the opportunity to make a, a lateral move. Yeah, the injury the injury value curve. I mean, it it seems to it will be in kind of a lull now for a while. Uh, I think we see that value start to come back up as we approach playoff time uh, in your fantasy leagues, not in actual playoffs. I think we see that value start to come back up. Like we saw Dalvin Cook after four games get really high, and then yep. injury crash, and then again we see him go back up towards the end of the season when contenders are out buying and rebuilders are out selling. So. I think I think maybe you give it a little bit. Uh, you might have those guys that are panicking. Hey, what am I going to do at running back now? Uh, you can go in and buy at those stages. But for the most part, if you're in you know even a remotely you know savvy league, these guys aren't going to be selling for for pennies. So waiting and seeing, like you said, Eric, waiting and seeing where these teams kind of are after a few weeks. Maybe someone starts three and one. They're like, hey, I could do this. And they have guys sitting around. You throw something at them, like Nathan mentioned in a Tevin Coleman and something, or whatever scoring points at the time. It could even be like an older wide receiver. Some totally. people kind of turn into redraft mode uh, mid-season if they realize that they might be able to win, and they're kind of willing to just bail on some value. So 
Uh, yep. I would, I would, if you're finding someone panicking, go by now. Otherwise, just kind of give it some time, give it a little bit of a breath, and go by like week four, week five. All right, I think I'm on board with that. All right, the next uh, next topic here is the Bucks backfield. Um, we've been getting all of the Peyton Barber hype. We've been getting none of the Ronald Jones hype, um, and I believe uh, Charles Sims is already cut. Is what I think I saw in the blurbs. Not really, but they're just saying it already. Yeah, he's doo-doo. Well, uh, he, he was he was cut in like March, and they re-signed him in April. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. So so I guess the question is is like, do we believe this hype on Barber? Because I forecast that with this news, that we're going to start seeing like second round picks traded for Peyton Barber at some point here. <laughs> That's so gross. No, I mean we're, if, we're, if they keep talking about him as the starter, that is what that is. It'll it'll happen if Ronald Jones starts going south. Mark my words. The only person talking about him as a starter is like a bottom three head coach in the league in Dirk Ketter. It's it's not it's not going to happen. One, he maybe is a is a you know split carry committee guy at at best, and they get three hands in the mix because I don't believe that they'll cut Charles Sims as much as I'd like them to, just to like laugh at all of the Charles Sims truthers. Um, it's I mean they, they spent pretty pretty well on Ronald Jones and I don't know how you don't use him. I think this is more of the hey we need to we we're not our rookies aren't going to be given anything. You have to go out and earn it type of thing. It's so it's it's more of a mental game than anything. I, I don't see Peyton Barber being anything. I mean the guy what he averaged what, like three point eight yards per carry. He's trash. All right. So what I'm doing now is out of uh, just just for, for giggles, I am sticking a poll on Twitter right now. Don't put your poll on Twitter. For a oh, I see what you're doing. Uh, now I'm going to do Peyton Barber or the 210. Would you rather me do a higher second round pick? No, do 212. 212 is what you want. This is going to be the 212 unanimously. Write it down. Here we go. I mean, I would certainly I, hope I, so. Yeah. Unless you, <laughs> I agree. But why would I do? You want a close? You want a? All right, all right. Wait, but I, you said the 210. Why, the 210 will be even more unanimous. Oh, I, I meant two twelve is going to be unanimous towards the two two twelve, not towards Peyton. Like I'm sorry, right. towards towards Peyton Barber, not towards the. No, it's not. We'll see. All right, Peyton Barber shouldn't get a vote, but it already has one. I, I think it is going to be close to fifty fifty. Is going to be my bet. By the All time right. this thing is done, we will continue to monitor this this uh, this situation as it unfolds. <laughs> uh, this breaking news on my Twitter timeline. Um, so I guess. Is this just? I mean, is there even a buying window for Ronald Jones? I mean, is anybody really even panicking if they were well, super? Of course, uh, people people live for this coach speak stuff. Uh, if anyone's, it's just you know, it's just like an injury type thing. If anyone's panicking, like, oh man, I just, I don't know what to do. Yeah, of course, you, you always send out those feeler offers or even just messages to people. Hey, you know, you're looking to deal at all, and you know, sometimes people just panic and sell. I, I, I mean, if, it's true again. As savvy owners, you're not because you know that this is just coach speak. You know, it's just a bunch of nonsense. Um, it's a it's a long term game with uh, with short term reactions. Oh yeah, I forget <laughs> I forget what I said that one time that blew Nathan's mind, but that that's what I meant to say again. <laughs> All right, well let me get my let me get my take here on the Bucks offense. I, I think that, like Dan said, with the ineptitude of Dirk Cutter, this does give me pause for Ronald Jones in the short term. But I think that Dirk Cutter is going to be fired by week four, and maybe that's when Ronald Jones becomes the workhorse back in Tampa. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that any sort of uh, equity you can get for Peyton Barber right now, do it. Uh, maybe wait until week two after he's had like a 70-yard game. People go crazy for that for some reason. Uh, but, yeah, I, 
I'm not necessarily buying Ronald Jones off this because I, I don't think his price has dropped as much as uh, people are just talking about Peyton Barber probably more than they should. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I don't think anybody who drafted Ronald Jones high in the first round is like, I have, I'm done with him. It's over. I'm done. I'll sell <laughs> sell him for a late first now. That's great. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree. I mean, and we don't care about any of the other backs there, right? I didn't know they had yeah. backs. All right. Terrific. <laughs> so, so then while, while Peyton Barber is currently 65% over the 212 oh, in this poll, um, let me ask you guys value-wise what you would give for Peyton Barber or I guess sell for Peyton Barber if you can get a second-round pick. Is that the whole point of this poll is go run and take it? Yeah, I mean, I, I'd buy for 312. I'd sell for 212. I mean, I'd sell, for like, I'd sell for like 304, honestly. I'd sell for any third. I would buy for nothing. Maybe some maybe <laughs> right. some blind bid money. And then what about Ronald Jones? Where are you at? I mean, if if you are able to do it for a mid to late first next year, if you're contending, are you doing that deal? Buying Jones trade, at that price? I'd trade a random 19 first for him in a heartbeat. Okay. I think that's I think that's pretty much where I pegged you guys for it. So um, I think that's totally fair. Nathan, you want you want to pivot for us? All pivot. Right. Let's pivot to I our new so much, Dan. and it's going, <laughs> it's going to be the Seattle backfield. So uh, while Peyton Barber is getting the hype in Tampa, Chris Carson has been getting the hype pretty much all offseason. I've never seen a team hype up a player after selecting a player in the first round at the same position. Like basically, Pete Carroll has spent like the last four months saying, yeah, our first round pick stinks, and the guy who's a UDFA is the next coming of Jesus, uh, and that's Chris Carson. So – I think that uh, Rashad Penny will take uh, Chris Carson's job even faster than Ronald Jones will take Barber's job. If you can sell Chris Carson for a mid-second right now, I'd do that in a heartbeat. If you can buy Rashad... You could definitely get a second for Carson right now with all this hype. I think you could get, like... Again, I think I'm just going to stick my neck out there and say the 206 would win. I'm sorry, Carson would win over the 206 if I stuck it out on Twitter right now. I think I agree with that too. I think you'd have to go into I think you'd have to go into the early twos to to get a pick win versus Carson. I mean, Barber is currently 71% versus 29. It is happening, Nathan. And there's even a comment someone's angry about what are you actually going to get at 212 aside from a potential starter? Um, so, <laughs> I'm sorry, Cas 11, Cas uh, 11, he does not express any of the views of of Nathan and Eric, he does express all of his own views. I, mean, I, I, I agree with Dan's views. So. <laughs> all right. All right, Kaz, it's kind of a stupid thing to say, but all right. <laughs> That's why I said it in the, in the SpongeBob meme voice. All right. Uh, Eric, give your thoughts on Seattle. Um, I, I think I'm on board with you. I mean, this is a team that Thomas Rawls was the guy and was definitely going to be the guy forever and looked amazing and had a valuation of a first-round draft pick at a certain point, what, two years ago. Um, and is now worth dirt. Um, undrafted free agents happen sometimes, and especially at the running back position, they happen, and Arian Foster or something like that. They happen, but more times than not, they do not happen because they didn't have the measurables necessary to actually make it in the league. Uh, so Carson, I think, is being used as a piece to motivate a uh, a first-round draft pick that's feeling very comfortable about his position in that offense, and I think that um, I think Pete Carroll will hold his feet to the fire and we'll start um we'll start Chris Carson and actually probably does like Chris Carson a decent bit but the 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 draft pedigree is not even close and he's going to start getting pressure to put Penny in unless Penny is just literally unable to be on the field which I cannot fathom see this is this is one where I I start to worry a little bit because of the seemingly inept Pete Carroll 
Um, we, we look back at Seattle once, once Marlon retired or did whatever he was doing. Um, this running back, it is this backfield has been atrocious. It's, yep. it's been all over the board. You go, well, you got like Alex Collins with who they drafted relatively and, early. And they got rid of him. Yep. Just bailed on him. And then you have the top, like you said, the Thomas Rawls stuff. And now the Chris Carson and like a JD McKissick. And then they draft CJ Procise. And now it's Rashad Penny. I just, I don't think they know what they're doing. And it just kind of throwing, throwing crap uh, at the wall to see what sticks. You know what I mean? Like totally. this, this one I'm legitimately worried about. Cause like, like Nathan said, I think Ketter's going to be out by like the bye week in Tampa. Seattle's not going to bail on Pete Carroll because of what he's brought them. They're not going to bail this year for sure. And I, I'm not thinking he's going to get pressure to play certain players. I think uh, they've stuck by Pete this long. They're going to let him kind of run his system and do what he wants to do. And if that's play Chris Carson, that's kind of scary. But at the same time, Chris Carson is nothing compared to Rashad Penny. I think this backfield should be Rashad Penny and CJ Procise with Carson as the change of pace guy because that makes more sense, uh, especially when you consider the draft pedigree and and everything else. It's this this one's this one's weird to me because of of Seattle's history with this. Yeah, one guy that I that I might bring up, and and, and if he really does not like Penny, um, a guy who flashed a little bit was Mike Davis as just like really really deep leagues that like I, I don't know I, it's. It's a guy that is like they signed for another year who could end up being the being the bell cow if they hate everybody. But as we've all been saying, Penn, the the chance that they don't play Penny a predominant amount of downs is is ridiculous. Eric, that might be the dumbest thing you've ever said on this podcast. Mike Davis and <laughs> being the bell cow in Seattle. No, sorry. I mean, not letting, but, not but he, like he's had the little spurts in the but they've gone to like fifteen running backs in three years. It's it's insane. Anyone, anyone, any given week, could get those touches. I'll, I'll eat dog poop on this podcast if Mike Davis is a is a bell cow back. Okay, again, I'm not talking about a long term bell cow back. I'm saying that he he could be a darling. at any time at any like okay. for more than a week. Right. Right. He, one one week, a, one yep. week with 18 touches. Nathan eats dog poop on the pod. <laughs> okay, I'm in. I'm in. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's a deep dive, but I don't think it's I don't think it's literally that nuts. <laughs> Uh, I, I will because yeah okay we're not even gonna, we're not going further down that rabbit hole um let's go ahead and uh and then talk about somebody who i didn't even know had hype so i'm just gonna let nathan tell the story well you guys actually talked about it a couple of weeks ago when i wasn't on the pod when we were talking about the buys for the viking offense dan said that treadwell was his buy because Diggs didn't have a contract yet and then before that pod came out Diggs had a contract <laughs> so uh, that went pretty well, but still, the call was there, though. Yeah, yes, and yeah, you certainly and, did make a call. And tread, and this is kind of just confirmation bias one on one of oh, I was dismissing the the camp blurbs about Penny because I like Penny, uh, and I, I'm uh, loving the camp blurbs about Treadwell because I love Treadwell, uh, and so. But the uh, optimist in me says, hey, uh, Thielen is, was an undrafted free agent. Like, there's a chance he doesn't like continue how good he's been over his career and the first round pick ends up being the number two in Minnesota. I don't actually think that's going to happen, but you know, that's the uh, ultimate optimist in me. Well, and I'm imagining that they're going to run Thielen in the slot like they did with Keenum. Um, I mean, it'd be, I, I don't know, honestly, with, with flips or DeFilippo's system, 
and Kirk Cousins' ability down the field. Uh, I don't know if he makes more sense on the outside, but honestly, you put you put Diggs and you put Treadwell outside and you put Thielen in the slot, and that offense is tough to stop. You have mismatches up and down the board. So, uh, you know, the the hype piece for the for the camp with Treadwell, it's, yes, he's, you know, like Nathan said it before we started the show, oh, he's having the best camp of his career. It's like, well, his first two camps were, I mean, that, like I could have went out and had a better camp than Treadwell had. Um, who's the other people he's competing against? Is it Kendall Wright? Is he having a better camp than Kendall Wright? Then yeah. congratulations, man. Kendall Wright, Stacy Coley. Uh, who else is on that team? <laughs> I mean, is, is the, you, you live in Minnesota, Dan. Is the hype there? Is the hype there on Minnesota's like sports radio? Or I mean, is that yeah. not something you really listen yeah, to? Like, everybody's pumped up about it. Local talk. Uh, you know, the the guy that calls all the um, all the Vikings games is. Um, he, he mentions them pretty much every day. He, he talks about guys that kind of stand out to him as they're watching practice. You know, he'll randomly interrupt the content to, Hey, and Treadwell makes a great catch over, you know, Xavier Rhodes or over whoever. Um, so, I mean, it, it's, it's definitely there and, he, and he's being noticed. He's, he's more, um, he's kind of, he's making himself known a little bit. I guess I'll just say that, uh, he's, he's not kind of hiding like he had been the last two years where you just didn't hear anything about him other than like, he didn't know what he was doing. Um, now he seems to kind of have a grasp of it. And I honestly think we might see just a mini breakout. I don't think it's going to be like I said on the previous one, I don't think it's going to be like a Juju Smith Smith Schuster type of breakout. Um, but I, will I think he will it be like a Nelson Aguilar breakout. Like as far as like third year wide receivers who kind of come to life. Yeah. But I mean, Nelson had a, a pretty volume driven year uh obviously not like crazy volume but i think i think we'll just kind of see treadwell get a good amount of looks in you know limited work he's not going to play a super high percentage of snaps because i don't see the vikings really needing to run three wide receivers all that often with a that defense and b that running game so um it's I want to believe that it's going to kind of be the year where he does have a mini breakout because like nathan i do like treadwell um, it's, it's just kind of, it's, it's there and it's not. It's well, let me, let, me, let me ask you the questions, um, from a little bit different of an angle since we are the dynasty trade cast is cause I think we did a podcast on it two or three weeks ago. Um, I mean, and the hype's building on Roto world is the word already out. I mean, cause Treadwell, we were talking about him being an excellent sleeper by at like the 20th round is, I mean, is he creeping up into like the 16th round of startups where it's starting to get a little bit, not necessarily more risky, but more expensive. I, I mean, I mean, I think that you can get him for like any mid second right now. So. Which is good well, value. You, you talk about a, a, you know, former first to top five overall pick or whatever in his draft. And so, so you're saying yeah. offer Peyton Barber for Laquan Treadwell. <laughs> I would do that deal every day of the week. <laughs> that is what you're saying for the listeners of God. I would give Peyton Barber and Chris Carson for Laquan Treadwell. Hey, 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 hey be, be careful. If you're the commissioner, you might get in trouble for that. Yeah, don't, right. don't, make, don't accept those commissioners. You don't want to yell that. <laughs> uh, Nathan, did you, have a, did you have a chance to talk on Treadwell there? No, I mean, I, I said at the beginning, I, I think it, he's, you know, he's definitely, there's optimism. I mean, I'm not going out and actively trying to buy him. But I'm not like dropping him from my rosters. Where I, the the camp hype is the the one thing it has done is that I was kind of expecting oh if Treadwell struggles a little bit in camp maybe that people will like jump ship and like when when people have to you know go from like 30 to 27 roster spots or 30 to 24 roster spots then Treadwell might not make the cut. But with the camp 
positive camp news, it's unlikely that anyone drops Treadwell. I agree completely. Um, yeah, and, and as somebody who doesn't own Treadwell, I think I think your buying window is already already slammed shut at this point. And if he doesn't break out at this point, then he's probably going to fall pretty far down in the valuation and out of onto waiver wires probably uh, if this isn't the year for Treadwell, um, or at least close to that. Um, okay, well, let's go ahead before we get into our next topic, uh, t- tell you about our fabulous sponsors and good friends over at the FFBC. That's the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. We talk about it every week here. The 2018 NFL season is almost here, and the FFBC has a format that suits every diehard's interest and budget, whether it's well, whether it's best ball or super flex or classically managed leagues, uh, their drafts filling up daily, starting at just $35 entry fees. We'd be giving those away like candy here at Rotoviz. Uh, jump into a slow or live draft today. Uh, the FFPC also features the world's greatest contest in season long fantasy football. Come to the Planet Hollywood Resort and Casino that's in Las Vegas, Nevada, this September um, and draft in the FFPC main event while spending the opening NFL weekend in Vegas with hundreds of diehards just like you. Can't make it to Vegas? Well, then you can draft online from the comfort of your home and compete for a massive $250,000 grand prize with over $2 million in total cash prizes in this year's contest. Uh, so don't miss the FFPC experience, Rotoviz listeners. Go to at my at myffpc.com and register now. That's myffpc.com, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with MyBookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. Uh, Nathan, I think you have some Browns news to talk about now. Well, Shocking. Before, before we get to some Browns news, when, when you were talking about Rotoviz handing out uh, entries like candy, I kind of just pictured uh, Colm Kelly, uh, who runs the Rotoviz pods, uh, like in like a, a van saying, all right, who wants some FFPC entries? Like, is it like sprayed creepily on the side of the van? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, I see. That's I don't, I don't know. I mean, I personally am not dumb enough to bash the guy who makes this podcast happen, Nathan. That's not bashing. It, it, I know. He's driving around. <laughs> um, yeah, no, we, we have been giving them out. If you see the contest on Twitter, I would strongly advise you go retweet or whatever they're asking you to do because we're not kidding. We're giving those away every single time one of those shows up. All righty. Let's go on to some Browns news. And we are recording this on Tuesday night, so this news could be either old news, new news, who knows, by Thursday. Dead but news, perhaps. It was, it, was, it was reported uh, that uh, Dez will be visiting the Browns on Thursday. Dez has kind of been, like, flirting with the Browns on Twitter. He's been, like, live-tweeting all of the hard knocks and, like, oh, I'd really like to play with Baker Mayfield. And it's like, yeah, Dez, everyone in the NFL would like to play with Baker Mayfield. So, um, yeah, uh, 
But let's just say, let's say in a world where people are listening to this on Thursday afternoon, that Des Bryant is a Cleveland Brown. Uh, how does that shake out that wide receiver core uh, for you, Dan? And basically talk about Gordon there versus Gordon not as well. Um. Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting. I think I think if Des does sign, it does more to Antonio Callaway than anything. Uh, I don't really know that it props Des up all that much. Yes, he now has a home, but I'm kind of in. You know, I'm a big Des Bryant fan, but I'm kind of in the crowd that believes he's kind of washed. Um, I think I think Josh Gordon returns relatively soon. I think once those hard knocks uh, cameras kind of get away from the camp and everything, I think he's he's going to come back and and rejoin the team. Um, as much as again, I, I I don't know what his future looks like, but uh, I think if you plug Des in in between Jarvis Landry and and Josh Gordon, because I think you kind of have to put Des in the slot and kind of play that Larry Fitzgerald type uh, type role. I think that makes the most sense for him. Um, I think, I think it probably helps Gordon and Landry the most because now you have a legitimate third option uh, aside from David and Joku to to kind of take looks away from the defense. So I think dynasty value uh, it kind of gives a lift to everyone, but Antonio Callaway it it helps it helps Dez kind of come back to life. Uh, I wouldn't be actively trading for or selling. Uh, I would still kind of be holding. But yeah. it's yeah, it's that's kind of a jumbled mess because now they just have so many bodies, and I think we're just going to continue to talk about them. Yeah, I mean, and Des is one of those guys that's got name value. Um, that even in Dynasty, I mean, he was the first overall pick what four or five years ago, something like that, was going one overall. Um, and, and granted, he was a touchdown machine during that time, and and he could do it again. I mean, this. This depth chart is not particularly frightening for Dez getting on the field. And honestly, it's a, I don't know that it's necessarily bad for Callaway. I mean, Callaway, Landry, Dez, and Njoku all on the same field is a little bit terrifying. Um, and, and if you have a you have a Chubb or you have a, a Carlos Hyde, it's going to be tough to defend all those players. Um, and I think that's probably what they'll do. They'll just load it up. So Dez's price tag right now is creeping into like the 10th round of startups. Um, that's – I don't know. There's There's – more consistent pieces there, and I'm with you, Dan. Like I, I have Des, and I'm I'm looking to sell him, and I've been holding him for when the moment that he signs somewhere and starts putting up production is. Um, but he's not long for the state anywhere he goes. It, I think it's clear for as long as he's been waiting that nobody's interested for him at at, a, at like a starter price tag, and nobody has that intent to actually stick him in that role. Um, and then he takes like a week to not come in to Cleveland because he's like out of shape. Like you know what, I'll just pass. And if Josh Gordon's there. That's fat. That's fabulous. If Josh Gordon um, isn't there, um, I, you know, really, I guess, I guess Gordon is a good piece because looking at the depth chart, they don't even have him on there because he's not on the team. Um, so, I, yeah, I think, I think, I think, I don't even know that they pursue Des if they think Gordon's coming back. Yeah, I, I think that if Des signs, the pendulum will swing very quickly. It'll either go to Des is basically unrosterable, or Des is your end of bench guy. Mm-hmm. Or Dez is a consistent starter. Like I don't think there's really an in between there. I, th- I think that with his uh, appearance there in, in Cleveland, he's going to be the number two until Josh comes back. Uh, so I, I think that more than anything, a, a Dez signing would hurt Landry in the fact that right now Landry's projected to be at like 200 targets because there's nothing really else other than Njoku and Duke Johnson in, in that uh, receiving core. So I, I think that I, I always say people talk about oh the attention is going to go to these other players. 
I, I'm always a fan of I'll, I'll, I'll take all that attention, but because guess what that attention comes with? You're going to get targets still. So uh, I, I think that uh, any sort of Dez or, or Gordon coming will hurt Landry. I don't think it can, though, because he's still he's still undervalued. No one no one has Landry valued even remotely. No, 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 no. I'm not saying it hurts his dynasty value. I'm saying it hurts like his production for this year. I see. I don't think so. I, I agree no, with you. No I don't one's think assuming. Sorry, go ahead. No one's assuming that he's getting 200 targets. Everyone's assuming Gordon's going to be there and be ready and take 120. You know, people are assuming Jarvis is going to be in that 120 range, right, with Gordon. So if you plug Des in there, you're basically just taking that third option that has 60 to 80 targets, uh, and you know it's not really changing much. I, I think. Uh, I think. I guess it could. Uh, let's assume Des is in shape. Uh, he decides he still kind of wants to play football. And he's fully healthy. Everything works on the man because he's been very injured as of late. Yep. So, uh, I mean, if he comes to camp ready to rock, then yeah, maybe it does hurt everybody and it props does up. But I just really don't see that happening. Yep, uh, I, I, think, I think that's a long shot too. I, I'm on board with you, Dan. All right, let's move on to our next one. And this topic, it's going to be one of the most confusing I've ever encountered in my time in the fantasy ball industry. Uh, the excitement for Chad Kelly getting promoted to second string quarterback with the Denver Broncos on Twitter. I've never seen anything like it. It's one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. <laughs> people are legitimately like telling people to pick up Chad Kelly in one of the QB leagues. No, one don't QB do that. One? Yes. That is being no. suggested on Twitter. Do and not do that. No. And it's absolutely ridiculous. Even if Chad Kelly gets like a start this year, they, that means that the Case Keenum experiment has failed miserably, and they're going to be investing at a high pick at quarterback this year. It so. could also mean he got hurt, Nathan. Okay, I, think that, but, I think that molds into failed miserably. Okay, perhaps. Um, I mean, they, I'm pretty certain they're bringing somebody else in here because uh, I think Patrick, I think I think somebody else is coming in this year. There's nobody no. out there. We'll see. I mean, they I still have think. Paxton, who they wasted that draft pick on. Um, there, Keenum is the guy this year, but see, I, I, you absolutely shouldn't be picking up, up Chad Kelly in one QB leagues. However, if he's out there in your two QB or super flex league, that is a fantastic pickup. I'm imagining someone's got him by now. Um, but he's very talented. He really honestly is. He's not going to see the field this year without Keenum getting hurt or playing absolutely atrocious. Now Keenum is going to regress. Uh, he's not going to be the superhuman he was in Minnesota last year. I think we can all agree on that. But he's also he's not he's not ever been a actually terrible quarterback. He's just kind of a you know a right around just just above replacement level if we want to go with that. He's he's the mean. <laughs> so I, and you know Jed Kelly can be exciting. I understand why everyone is kind of going crazy but they shouldn't be going crazy from a fantasy football perspective. They should be going crazy from an actual football perspective because if he hits and he continues to develop, that's a massive win for Denver who hasn't had a quarterback since like 2013 when Peyton Manning's arm was still in existence. Barely in existence, mind you. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I have a tough time getting on Kelly and I think, yeah, in, in two QB leagues, sure. I mean, if it's free, but he's not—he's probably not going to be free anymore in those leagues. You're going to have to pay Mike Glennon money before he was traded to, uh, <laughs> or is traded to the Bears. Like you're going to have to pay that money um, of the of the next potential breakout. Um, so, 
Yeah, I mean, I'll let the cat. Like, I'll let other people take this adventure. I'll pass on this um, and just wait for the Broncos to end up with another quarterback. But I do think that the Broncos will end up with another quarterback on their roster somewhere. I don't know who it is. Just saying, I think it happens. Teddy, <laughs> I think it's Teddy. <laughs> All right, let's close out the show, and we're running, you know, pretty much normal. So let's just do a quick take from each of us. We're going to talk about how a trading strategy differs from rebuilding versus contending. This idea came from one of our listeners. And I'll, I'll just kick us off with the one thing that you have to talk to, I mean, you have to understand with yourself when you're trying to make a trade versus with a rebuild versus contending is that more often than not, the team that is rebuilding is going to win on the quote unquote value side, the team that's going to win in the Twitter poll, the team that's going to, you know, possibly win long term. But the whole point in making a contending trade. And I need to tell myself this and look in the mirror when I'm contending for once. When you're actually contending, the point isn't really to win the trade. The point is to win the league. And so even if you don't win the trade long-term, if the trade helps you win the league or get in the money for this year, it is a successful trade or at least some part of a successful trade. So I, I basically, I think that there's a lot of people who contend and are trying to make contending trades that get a little gun shy because they don't want to lose on value. But you kind of have to because that's how the science game is played. You win on the value in, in long game and you lose a little bit when you're trying to win now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The only thing that the kind of the rule that I have um, on, well, most of my teams because they're all contenders. And by the way, Nathan, you said you kind of have to look yourself in the mirror on those contenders. So I, have you never looked in a mirror then? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> so, the answer is the answer is very clearly. Yes. <laughs> Shots so, the the kind of one rule that I have on on my contenders is that I just can't I can't risk my team's entire future to win one now. I, I'm I'm okay, you know, making it a little bit more difficult to kind of rebuild if my team gets to that point, but I can't just kind of blow up my potential rebuilding pieces. I'm the guy that always trades the rookie picks before they mature in value because that's just how I work. Um, but I'm not, I'm not risking my team's future. I'm not getting rid of all my, all of my younger guys that are potential studs uh, to go get some old points. I, I'm, I'm making more moves as a contender to get kind of back-end guys, guys that I could potentially spot start or guys that could see their way onto the field um, in, you know, with, with relative ease if someone's not playing well, if, you know, uh, someone doesn't have high draft capital and they somehow are starting, but now this other guy has an opportunity. So as a contender, don't blow up everything. Uh, don't blow up your youth. Kind yep. of kind of hedge your bet a little bit. Um, and you can still, you know, it, third place, get your money back. You know, that's that's not the end of the world. Obviously, we play to win, but I think you can consider that a win if you get a, you know, if you're getting a free year out of it. I mean, and I think I think the strategy I the, what the ideal team that I always try to have, and the continual contender is just rotating older play, or balancing older players with rookie players, and just yeah. the, the, the mistake so many contenders make is just dump all their draft picks, dump all their young guys, and just get all the the Marshawn Lynches to go win this year, and then look in the mirror, and then their team is crap. If they even if they won the ship that year, that their their team's crap in two years from now and they're rebuilding completely, uh, which granted maybe is worth it if you can guarantee the ship, but uh, that's tough to do as well. So um, I think, I think just 
moderation is the key here. And even in a rebuild, I think that's key too, is like you can rebuild all sorts around all sorts of pieces without just freaking out and dumping your most valuable pieces, which maybe sometimes you have to dump a valuable piece here and there, or sometimes maybe you don't have valuable pieces and you have to look for spikes in value, like a Peyton Barber that we're just talking about this podcast, um, which a- after, by the way, after I put up this poll on Twitter, I've already got a, a, a trade in my inbox, somebody offering me uh, Peyton Barber for the second. I don't think that they're going to, I don't think they're going to realize, uh, they're going to realize why I'm not accepting it as soon as they listen to this podcast. <laughs> but, uh, but I think they think I'm on the other side of this deal. Uh, but I think, I think that's really the thing that I like to hammer home when we're talking about trading um, in a rebuilding versus contending is using your trades in moderation and not going to some crazy hyperbolic level of like, I need to have, um, I need to have 17 Devi picks and no starters on my team because then I'm going to be really good in three years. It's like, well, that's not, that strategy is not going to work. That's the Powell uh, strategy. Yeah, but that, even Nathan doesn't do that strategy. He goes, no, a, little he definitely he goes a little heavy on the Devi for my, uh, I, I can show you a team, Eric. Don't worry. All right. But, <laughs> but that, that's the extreme. That's the extreme that you shouldn't be going to even in a rebuild, unless your team's just atrocious or you're getting the world's best value. But I'm um, trying to moderate. Or, or if you're just doing it for the fuck of it. <laughs> right, right. Well, yeah. Okay. Sure. If you're listening to this podcast and playing um, with some type of aggressiveness, I would not recommend doing what Nathan suggests and just doing it for the F of it, I believe is what he said. That's how, uh, that's how Nathan and I usually trade though. <laughs> yeah. just, like Nathan, you want to decide it's not good unless you're just playing for the F of it. I mean, I guess so. And then Dan wins the league. Perfect. <laughs> or all my players die in week eight and I end up missing the playoffs. Well, that's not uncommon. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, that's, that's generally my dynasty philosophy across the board is just having a balance of young guys with old guys and keeping the courier team and the engineer team rolling at all times. And then it doesn't hurt so bad when you miss really bad or one year's draft class is really bad. Yeah, and as a, as a rebuilder too, you need to, you need to stay active. You can't, you can't, you know, sell all your old guys and then be like, all right, well, it's time to just kind of send it in and wait for the year to be over. You need to keep being active. You need to, like Eric said, you need to look for those value spikes. Anytime you, anytime you have somebody you can gain value off of and just kind of keep that wheel churning, you get those pieces in and out. And that's, that's smart on your behalf. That, that makes your rebuild go faster. If you're sitting around and waiting for other people to make moves, your rebuild's going to take a couple of years. You can legitimately rebuild in a year if things happen correctly. You know, you, you've got right. starting pieces. You've got your, your youngish core, let's say, and you just need to build around it. You need to get some older points. So if you can kind of continually move those guys out that you're stashing or, or guys that just kind of randomly hit, um, you, can, you can turn that team around really fast. So just stay active, um, you know, stay on your waivers, stay, stay up on your trade offers. So you have on your trade bait, even, you know, a lot of, a lot of people kind of take that stuff for granted, but remaining active is huge for your rebuild. I mean, that's always the case is like, yeah. And, and yeah, the value spikes, I think is the biggest key for really either is like the, the guys who just crush the leagues are the guys who don't get physical attachment or like emotional attachment to like Jonas gray going off for four touchdowns and they dump him for a second round pick. Like these are the guys who constantly crush your leagues are the guys who, who don't overreact to these to these stories. So, uh, Nathan, anything to close us out here? Kadoosh. All right. Um, I would like to remind <laughs> everyone that the Peyton Barber poll is 71% Peyton Barber, <laughs> suck it, Nathan. And You're all terrible. 29% 12.12. I think if we put 12.2, it's the exact same uh, polling results. So it is, uh, while we were having this podcast, I sent out about six offers to 
give my Peyton Barber for your second round pick next year. So we'll see if that happens. Uh, I suggest you do the same if you have Barber. Um, enjoy the hype and um, yeah, enjoy that because it's going to pay dividends and he's not going to be a running back in four years. Three years. Uh, <laughs> three years, two years, really. You name it, he's probably Tomorrow. not going to be it. Um, all right. Um, for Nathan, Dan, and myself, we want to remind you to go uh, leave a five-star rating and review for this podcast. Appreciate you bearing with my voice. And a reminder, again, that we are moving to Tuesday release dates uh, for week one of the NFL season, and we're pretty pumped about it. So another couple weeks on the Wednesday-Thursday train, and then uh, and then we're right on to the Monday-Tuesday train. So uh, for Nathan, Dan, and myself, Nathan, you're supposed to say Kadoosh loudly. Kadoosh! All right, there it is. Whatever that word means, we're out. September at local area Subway restaurants, your meal purchase will help our neighbors in need. Purchase a sub drink and chips and help us donate 200,000 meals to local Feeding America food banks. Subway meal includes any sub salad or wrap with any drink and chips or two cookies. For every two meals purchased through September 30th, participating Subway restaurants will donate one meal up to 200,000 meals to San Francisco and East North South Bay Area food banks. One meal is the monetary equivalent of 10 cents. Meals secured by Feeding America on behalf of local member food banks. So pick up a great meal and make a difference in the community. This September at local area Subway restaurants, your meal purchase will help our neighbors in need. Purchase a sub drink and chips and help us donate 200,000 meals to local Feeding America food banks. Subway meal includes any sub salad or wrap with any drink and chips or two cookies. For every two meals purchased through September 30th, participating Subway restaurants will donate one meal up to 200,000 meals to San Francisco and East North South Bay Area food banks. One meal is the monetary equivalent of 10 cents. Meals secured by Feeding America on behalf of local member food banks. So pick up a great meal and make a difference in the community.